Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Mullen, and you can contact the show at, uh, at Justin Mullen on Twitter, or you can email me at justin.wollen at cisco.com. Guess who's here? I'm here. Yeah. I'm back again. You're back. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the Justin love. As always. You always yeah. feel the love. Wherever you are, you always know. Yeah, but love's you, there. you've been missing me out a lot. No, not recently. I don't know. Maybe once or twice. <laughs> But that's marketing for you. They demand they demand yeah, these sessions and I go, do you know what? I don't think Mark will actually enjoy them. <laughs> We're going to blame it on marketing. Okay, well, no, yeah, we had we... a load we had to do for this new, um, was it New Era networking stuff? So marketing sort of made us do made you load do. of podcasts. So, the network intuitive, I the think. Oh, yeah, sorry, hashtag, hashtag, hashtag just saying. Guess, guess who's the marketing person in the room? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm, we got, I'm here, here we to got, represent we once got, more. We've got, uh, we've got Ant here as well. Hello, everybody. Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And we're also joined by Gareth. Hello. Hi, everyone. So that was Gareth, by the way. Um, yeah, so what do we talk about today, Mark? This We're talking about security again. Yay! See, Great. happy days. I'm Whatever. in my happy place again. We're talking about security and not things that I don't know about. It's an important topic. It is an important topic. It is at the moment. The world's going crazy. It, well, it is. It yeah, is. And we, it literally we, we, is. We did, one, we did one the other day on Monogry just because... It needed to be done because we need to. Talk I think about we, it. I like that because the great thing about that that podcast is now I just now I know what cries and I keep talking about it when I present to customers. There you go. And I go, do you want to? Who I get making to put their hands up? Go, who knows what, what happened to Ronnie Cry? And they all go, hands go down. And I go, right, let me tell you. <laughs> and then I push the podcast. Let me explain. Also, yeah, if anybody wants to like share it on social media, please do. Yeah, we, we need, need to get, get the we list. need to get our numbers up. We need to get our numbers up, or they're going to take us off air. <laughs> <laughs> they'll ne- they'll pirate never. radio. That's pirate weird. radio. Oh, never so take we, us off air. We just do it ourselves. We've got our microphones. We'll just have it in a van, driving around, yeah. podcasting. <laughs> Brought to you from the car park here at Cisco. <laughs> here at Tesco's car park, and other supermarkets are available. We're going to have a nineteen nineties garage music section. Oh, oh, now we're talking. You can come back. Yeah, yeah, we like you, Gareth. Anyway, what are we talking? Cack on about. What, we what, what, are going to be talking to Gareth. Uh, about something called incident response. Security incident response. Security incident response. We're going to ban the word cyber on today's podcast. See, I wasn't going to say it. You said you can't do cyber because no, we all can't. ate it. No. If you're Welsh accent. Any, any, you can tell a professional security person because they don't really use the word cyber or use it as little as possible. As little as we can. Yeah. 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 It's kind of was imposed upon us by marketing. I'm, I've, I'm not taking responsibility I, for that. I, it I, is <laughs> the world's naffest word. <laughs> It's the one that you end up spending half your life defining that the problem. Yeah. What do we mean by cyber? Oh, well, well, you could just use the word digital, couldn't you? <laughs> cyber digital. Equally fuzzy. Digital Anyhow, security. We're going off piste again. Um, no, you're so, taking charge today, aren't you? You've had, you've, 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 like, you've had in charge pills or something. I've had the, uh, it's because I had the pen earlier when I was writing up the storyboard. Yeah, the first time you've done the storyboards. I, I I don't tell the listeners that we do a storyboard. This is supposed to be completely off the cuff. No, they know we do a storyboard. Oh, they yeah. do Because every time we podcast, we say we do prep. Yeah, we do prep. <laughs> If it were off the cuff, and frankly, if it were, then it would be far worse than it actually is. Gosh. <laughs> if we scripted, one time we got scripted, and because the marketing person gave us a script, and the two people was me and Alison Vincent, and uh, Dr. Vincent, who's now no longer with us. No. God bless her. No, she's she uh, moved on. To, yeah, <laughs> I thought you meant she died. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't fly it that way. Not, not, not quite. No, not no, quite. she's, she's just left Cisco. Just left Cisco, which is kind of the same. Yeah. Anyway, we've it's gone off piece again. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we are talking about. Incident response. Um, and actually, before we do that, actually, Gareth, do you want to introduce yourself properly rather than just your name? So we actually know who you and, are. And I said his name for him. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> where you fit inside Cisco. What's sure, your name yeah. and where you come from? Uh, so I'm Gareth Evans. I head up the incident response team for Cisco through EMEA, uh, so Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Russia. 
Um, I lead the team that reacts to incidents around Cisco customers, but also non-Cisco customers. So anyone who wants a bit of help after they've had a major issue with a, a hack or a, a security incident, then we come and help them out. Fantastic. And so today's podcast... I'm feeling safe already. You feel, <laughs> you're feeling safe. <laughs> so we're going to be talking a bit about instant response and the importance of that. But I guess firstly... There's obviously been a lot of press recently. There's been WannaCry, which we talked a little bit about. Yeah, go on. You're, you're looking at me oddly. Just I'm like, oh, yeah, but what do they do, though? I what, mean, what? That's, that's it. Is that what you're going to lead in with this WannaCry stuff and then yeah, say yeah, yeah. how they help the where, world? Where does instant response sort of fit into that that whole picture of cyber incidents? I've said cyber. You oh. said it. Oh, mate, that's oh, twice you've oh, done it now. See, that's because I... Third time, you're going to have to bleep you out. Oh, you have to, to put a pound in the jar now. Yeah, we're going to need a, a square gonna need jar. need a sound effect for that. Yeah. <laughs> Ka-ching. There you go, the that's security, security outbreaks, breaches, whatever you want to call them, um, with things like WannaCry and most recently with the Petcher ransomware as well. Yeah, well, not Petcher. Oh, uh, not Petcher. Yeah, yeah, there's a number of different terms for it. Uh, Netcher, not Petcher, and Petcher. <laughs> it, it's crazy. What, what we, happened? Because I thought WannaCry, we sort of knew that was a ransomware. Is Petcher another ransomware? What is it? Yeah, so so Petcher was originally a, a form of ransomware that was that was distributed globally. But the, this recent problem was uh, far more sophisticated. Long story short, it, it we do long stories. We've got time. It, it, it totally destroyed a number of organizations' infrastructure. How um, do you do that? It, it encrypts. Uh, well, when the malware gets onto the the, the device itself, it, it attempts to encrypt files as normal ransomware does. So we're talking about like a, a computer then, are we? Like an end user computer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So PCs, laptops, servers. Um, and what happens is that the malware encrypts a set type or set of files, so Word documents, pictures, um, things that you would uh, you would use in day-to-day business, but wouldn't destroy the computer and, and f- make it unable to boot up. So, so, so uh, where WannaCry is, I'm encrypting your whole hard drive. No, no, no. WannaCry only selectively encrypted certain files. Didn't do the whole hard drive. Oh, so, this sounds, so the same picture does the same thing. You didn't explain that to me last time. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. The, the, there's a there's a slight difference with the the non-picture stuff in the sense that. It also attempted to encrypt what's called the master boot record. So the very beginning of a hard drive that tells the the, the computer you know, where to look for the information to start the computer up. Yeah. Uh, once it encrypted that part of the hard drive, then the computer will not start, and it will simply display a screen saying. So that's the WannaCry one, then, is it? Or no, this is Petcher. So Petcher would, would, would. Oh, great! Shut up! Bloody hell! Marketing here. Got to a tie. Look at me. Um, <laughs> You throw me again now. So, so the 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 Petcha one would encrypt that master boot the file. Master, yeah, so so Wanna Cry, Wanna Cry didn't. Yeah. So <laughs> ultimately, you would end up with uh, a machine that wouldn't boot. It would come to a screen telling you how to pay the ransom, um, and that is as far as you would get. So, it it takes down infrastructure. It takes down your your endpoints, your PCs, your laptops to the point where they're totally unusable. Not just the. So data you can't even recover from them. There are methods to recover certain types of data depending on the scenario, but yeah. And, and how did the, how, what was the main way that the ransomware or this malware was getting onto people's endpoints? So this is the interesting part. With WannaCry, we had, uh, the distribution mechanism was through Eternal Blue. So one of the NSA um, leaked uh, exploits uh, that was leaked online by the Shadow Brokers um, and essentially leveraged 
a flaw in Microsoft Windows to infect PCs. Now, the, the main difference with WannaCry, as everyone is now aware, is it didn't distribute itself via the normal methods such as email um, or links that people click on and go to compromised websites. It self-spread through this vulnerability in people's infrastructure. Now, Petya, or non-Petya, went a different route. And a company based in the Ukraine, Medoc, who developed software for handling tax um, tax returns to the Ukrainian, uh, the Ukrainian government and Ukrainian authorities, that software uh, was used to distribute this malware. So they put the malware inside their their code, their their software. Software update. Yeah. So no. as as part of as part of Cisco's um, incident response team, we went and worked with the Medoc uh, company over in the Ukraine. Uh, and we walked into their office and and tried to figure out how this had happened with them. Um, it turns so they they did they find out that they were did somebody tell them? Did you go? Do you know what you're the source of all this malware? This this non petcher a number of petcher. a number of people pointed the finger. Um, and, and they were saying, "Well, it isn't us. We've scanned our systems. We've scanned our um, our software updates, um, and, and we don't believe it's us." So we said, "Well, let's let's come and help you figure out what the truth is." So we came in, and you uh, did. We were you paid to do that, or did you, did they say, "Right, you're gonna have to come in," or were you? No, we did that as a as a community effort. It's a goodwill gesture. Like. Yeah. So we, so oh. we wanted. To, so we, Cisco does free. There you go. For all you people <laughs> who say reasonably expensive. <laughs> We do stuff for free, like this podcast. Pro bono. <laughs> it was such a global, it was such a global outbreak and such a, an important um, event that uh, that we felt it was it was worthy of us, you know, helping helping the, this company out. Um, and we wanted to we wanted to find out the truth and how this happened. So we went and worked with them, and we we identified a number of issues within their infrastructure, uh, a number of problems whereby uh, it appears. Uh, that a sophisticated attacker had infiltrated the software development process of this company and had essentially implanted a backdoor into one of the updates or a number of their updates. So when this update was pushed out to the Medoc clients, um, typically based in the Ukraine, but as you can imagine, there's a number of global companies in the Ukraine that, that um, have, have offices there. Uh, as that update was pushed out, it then inserted a backdoor into these organisations. That backdoor was then utilised to push the non-petcher ransomware. So it was only it, so the actual malware wasn't in the update. It was the backdoor only. So there was a bit of code that just said, right, there's a way for us to get into everybody's. Or would 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 it call call home? Or there was uh, there was a backdoor placed essentially that that allowed the software to um, push out the ransomware onto the disk. Um, it did call back um, for, uh, well, when I say call back, the, the, the functionality of the software was to call back to the update server to ensure that it had the, the relevant updates. And as it was doing that, it was bringing down the malicious code. So, the malicious so there, was a, there was a legitimate connection going on there that wouldn't be blocked by whatever security. But the malware, was, was the malware though itself being held at, at uh, Medoc or was it being held was it, in, was it in the update? Or was it actually the whole code in the update? There is malicious code in the update. Um, there is a number of theories around other things. Um, so 
when the updates were occurring, then um, at what point did the, the malicious code get injected? There is a theory that there was a redirect. Um, so when clients were going out to Medoc to go and get the updates, they may have been pushed elsewhere. Um, but that's a theory. Um, and th- this is very mysterious, isn't mm-hmm. it? There's a number of uh, bits and pieces of, of evidence suggesting that, but nothing 100%. Well, I guess right, it's okay. still an ongoing, ultimately it's an ongoing investigation to a point, maybe not necessarily within Cisco, but globally there's still a lot of work going on to yeah, try and the, pick. So the Ukrainian police um, are doing a, a very serious investigation into this. The, the, main, the main thing with ransomware is usually it's financially motivated. Um, people want to to cause issues and then people pay the ransoms and then they can take that money away and launder it in, in such a way. There was a, a Talos blog post um, a while back suggesting that um, self-spreading ransomware was the next big threat. This yeah. was well before WannaCry uh, and this non-petcher stuff. One of the one of the reasons I give um, that this hadn't happened from a personal opinion was it would be so hard to launder the money um, and handle the infrastructure to to do the payments and the and the decryption process. <laughs> well, yeah, sure, but but Bitcoin's trackable because you can see when WannaCry you were telling us you could see the there was like four accounts yeah, that they were going into. Wallets, so you should yeah. be able to see the same for this. Wouldn't well, you? this is the thing. So it's trackable to a degree. Whether you get to the actual person that withdraws the money, usually that's that's not going to happen. However, on a global scale, there's a serious amount of interest from various organisations, governments or otherwise, that want to know who's withdrawing that money. So laundering that amount of money from a global scale cyber attack, cyber, oh no. Oh, you said it. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's the third time now. Can't say, can't say the C word. No. <laughs> L- laundering that money from a global outbreak is, is going to be extremely tough. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I suggested that it, it hadn't happened. Then it happened, okay? But what we saw with WannaCry was that it was, and there's a number of theories, but it potentially a bad idea um, for from the attacker's perspective. They had the kill switch that everyone talks about that was built into it. There was a very poor implementation of um, whatever they were trying to do that, that stopped it. Um, so we, we think maybe that the people that released that didn't mean to release it in the form that it was in. Um, but also with the non-petcher stuff, it wasn't or doesn't appear to be financially motivated. They wanted to harm the Ukraine as a country and uh, make it make it risky to do business with that country and and go and work with those com- any company yeah. that's based out of Ukraine because you didn't think they got safe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in, uh, security, mm. internet security, damaging a country's reputation yeah uh, and that's so it was more brand damage than actual malicious money but, but the companies that being being affected there it's it's i, I i've not heard of medoc um I'm, I'm assuming they're not a large global enterprise the the, the customers running their tax software you know, they're all small businesses medium businesses all being affected by this but would they only be sorry that's a really good question because the thing is though is that does it only people who've got medoc software would it then? Would it would then find a way of spreading out beyond that? It it yeah. It, it spread to um, people who had the Medoc software, but it also spread from their their offices that housed that 
that software through their global business. So we saw a number of US-based companies be hit by this because they had an office in the Ukraine. Spreading externally, however, wasn't part of the plan with this malware. So it's mainly down to Medoc software users then? Yes. Okay. Um, there, was a, uh, there were a number of very large organisations that were hit by this. Um, I think publicly we've got Maersk. Um, the, oh yeah, the I remember they got. Company, yeah, yeah, I saw that on the news. Big advertising agency. Yeah. Oh yeah, WPP. WPP, yeah. wasn't WPP, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, And there was a, I think there was a US pharmaceutical company that yeah. were here as well. So wow. there's a, a serious impact globally. Um, not as not as pertinent to the UK as WannaCry was because yeah. of the NHS angle, um, but still extremely damaging for the Ukraine. So, so I'm trying to get back on the point here because this is so interesting. <laughs> this is so interesting, Gareth. I think you, you're more interested than Mark now. You, you might have a regular regular wow. spot on the show. Seed replaced. Uh, there you go. Um, so you guys, the interim response guys, came, were asked to come in. And, and so what, what kind of thing were you doing in there then? So our, our aim in that engagement was to identify the truth of, of what happened and, and how it could have happened. And that's, that's typical of most incident response engagements, to be honest. We have, um, we have a number of um, tools and techniques that we use um, and all the processes and all that sort of good stuff. But really, the, the bottom line is we want to find out how it happened. If you can figure out how an incident occurred, you can stop that. Um, in the future so you can mm-hmm. plug the gaps um, either tactical security recommendations that you can you can implement straight away um, through to longer term security strategy to to ensure that you're utilizing best practice to ensure that you're better protected okay so, so how do you gather all this information make these recommendations well uh, it, uh, it am i giving away the secret sauce he now, can tell right? you but he'd have to kill you all <laughs> <laughs> oh, right okay there are, uh, there are a number of ways, um, uh, and it very much depends on how uh, an organization is set up. Now, the most mature organizations will have a security operations center. They will be ingesting a number of pieces of telemetry, log data, information around endpoint security, antivirus alerts, things like that. Are you getting spam email? Do you have a spam email inbox that users can report to? Um, all of that sort of recommend uh, all of that sort of telemetry could come into a security operations center. We would come in and help review that. Where the the secret source is, I suppose, is doing the digital forensics on affected devices and machines, and that's where you can get right down into the ones and zeros of, of exactly what has happened, what has occurred. Um, have files being dropped on a disk and then deleted mm-hmm. um, we can see that that you, you may not see in uh, logging systems um, we then we can do things like protocol and packet analysis on network captures so any traffic that is being monitored um, through either you know netflow or IP um, IP fix and, and all that sort of good stuff um, or whether it's full packet capture um, through a managed service or, or such forth then we can go through all that that information and find out what activity was taking place during the time frame of the attack prior to the attack to see what may or may not have happened and then after the attack to see what the effects were that may not be visible so data exfiltration is a really big thing um, people stealing credit card details confidential information intellectual property can we spot that? Yes, we can through certain levels of, of enterprise network logging um, or, or endpoint logging. Um, so, yeah, we, we essentially go in and, and look at the ones and zeros and, and, and try and figure out what happened. And 
It, and is this something that? Well, I mean, there's there's two I guess two questions that that come to mind. Firstly, would you, as an IR team and incident response team, get involved typically with sort of bigger enterprise customers? Would be question one. And the second one is, are you relying upon Cisco Tech? You know, you're obviously you're part of the Cisco family. Um, but do you rely upon Cisco products being in place and so on and so forth to do that to do that job? So, as uh, in regards to the company um, size, we will work with anyone um, to the point where if you've got a uh, an information security problem, we can come and help. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter how big you are, who sm- how small you are. We can use all sorts of tools and techniques to to get there. Um, we don't need you to have a, a, a full-fledged suck. You know, we, c- we can go and pull a hard drive and just work with that. Um, reliance on Cisco technology is certainly a no-no. Um, we do not want to be in that place. Um, however, that being said, we are Cisco. and mm-hmm. We have access to all of the Cisco security technology, so we can bring that with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't have certain tools like StealthWatch, Amp for Endpoints, OpenDNS, and mm-hmm. things like that, then we'll bring it with us. Is that um, why would you bring it with you? So, uh, some of these tool sets are extremely good at managing security incidents at scale. So, so you'd bring them as a bunch of. Would you use them as tools to help you do the forensics? Yes. And, so, so you use that. So it's not like you you bring it and going like a I don't know like a plumber or something like that going bringing all the parts. We've gone. I'll fix it for you. But <laughs> so you're not. So it's no, just it's part of the, the tools are you using for the forensics yeah, and yeah. information we, gathering. We okay. bring we bring it in, we use it, and we take it away with us. However, right, okay. if you enjoy it, then if you like it, then you keep it. Then we can leave it, and then I'll point you in the direction of someone who can deal with that. Who can? Who can? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, that that just that's really interesting. So um, is this so? Are you just about reactive services? So like I've been hacked, come and help. Or are there other things you can do? Now, there's, there's plenty. Um, so we have a number of um, proactive services that, that, we, that we work with clients with. Um, but the, the basis of, of incident response is coming in and helping when, when something's gone wrong. Um, the fifth emergency service. <laughs> the, the, the key thing is, if you have an incident, um, you're going to be panicking. Um, you're going to be in a, an extreme state of stress. Um, you're going to have all sorts of pressure from executives. Yeah, this is this is this is urgent. It's a PR disaster. It's a legal disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to take action right now. Yeah, um, it it can be it can be legal. It can be you know law enforcement people storming the building. You know, as happened with Medoc. Um, what do you mean? That, what do you mean? The the, the, the police came in. Yes. Uh, with well, well, were you there? No, no. Luckily, I he'd made I'd, a lucky escape. I'd came. <laughs> scarred. I'd left the offices uh, before that, um, but yeah, they they came with with guns. No way. Yeah. So, so who said security wasn't sexy? Eh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, they. Uh, if you have an incident, the the pressures are, are unreal, uh, and we we work with a number of clients who handle it well, uh, and there's some that don't. Um, and what we well, what's the difference do, then? Um, crying. <laughs> no, I said so. So people who don't handle it well cry. The people who do handle it well just don't cry. Don't cry. They might want to cry. Wanna cry? Oh, oh, here we go. Snap. <laughs> that was bound to happen. Yeah. Now the um, people that handle it well have usually planned for it. Um, they don't like uh, any organisation doesn't like the unknown. 
So, so when these things happen, it's scary. But if you have a plan in place, you uh, you know where you're going. If you've exercised that plan, you know where you need to be. You know what the outcomes need to be. You know the communications paths between the various business units. Um, you know who to call when you need a server turned off. Um, if you don't know that and you're panicking trying to get a phone number off a system that's on your that's internet, already down, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. down. Then it's the same know. reason companies have you know emergency responders when there's a fire. You know you have a checklist that you run through, and there's procedures for that. But nobody, people will be prepared for a fire because any any organisation has to, and they might be prepared for medical. But are they prepared for uh, uh, an internet? I keep saying no. internet security because I'm trying not to say the c word. No, you you can say the c word. I'll I'm like not saying the c word. What about data security? Yeah, yeah, yeah. or for information data security. And attack. I think that's to me the thing that's always quite striking and and being quite close to some of the things that happened on the WannaCry side with working on the health sector quite quite extensively was that the health sector has probably more plans around business continuity than you can shake a stick at in terms of. Um, emergency response, you know, yeah. dealing with life-critical events. Yeah. If there's an outbreak, the, the hospitals get hit. Yeah, know, I, I, but, I, but, but they, they seem to display very little of that same procedural thinking applied to a, I almost said the cyber word, uh, to a cyber, let's just say it, to a cyber incident. You know, they, they had none of that learning that they would have done in terms of, well, what happens if there's a power failure in an acute hospital? What do we yeah. do? And uh, I guarantee there's I'm, a well they, And they all do that, isn't it? Because they have generators and that yeah. sort of things. But it's the and one thing that not everybody does. And, and, yeah, and yet healthcare, about. like all sectors, they're dependent on computers to access um, digital x-rays to Well, there's everything, isn't it? You mean pretty much anything. Yeah. You, you looked at looked at one when, yeah. when it happened, you mean the amount of people who are just going like turning off PCs so because the PCs well, were off the computers can't even, even though they don't need to have a computer to deliver a diagnosis because that's mm. why you have doctors, but to do anything accident well, patient information. I spoke to a cardiologist from a trust in London who told me he, he lost a week's worth of elective surgeries. Um, in his hospital because of WannaCry because they basically just disabled systems and, and then it was the recovery process. But again, coming back to your point, Gareth, it was yeah. that complete inability to understand how to carefully and almost forensically identify, remediate, you know, contain, remediate and, and get back to operational business yeah. is something that was very so, lacking. And I think that's the procedure that you're really trying to describe. So what's, um, what is a good process then? Or what's the process that people need to go through then to... So... With any incident, whether it be cyber or, or whether it be fire or, or, or flood, for example, flood. You, that's another good you, you need to you, you need to have a process. You need to have a flow um, in the sense that you need to understand what's happened, how it happened, how you're going to remediate from it. Okay. So, but with with information security, we we typically start with identification as, as the first phase. Now, there's a number of Organizations that will be out there, the people that are listening, that will say, "Well, how do we identify something that is hidden, you know, purposely hidden um, f from us?" Because these things are, tend to be stealthy. Um, the the WannaCry stuff, obviously, is, is fairly fairly apparent. But the the stealthy stuff, how do you identify that? And there's a number of ways, and it, typically it's logging um, and alerting to. Uh, incidents within your infrastructure now that doesn't have to be technology you don't have to buy bits of kit to do this you don't have to buy you know the next best thing um, from Cisco uh, you, you can you can have anything um, other vendors are available <laughs> you, <laughs> can have, you can have anything you want in place but the, the key thing is having the skills within your team to be able to identify these types of security threat 
Um, so the identification bit is is key. Uh, I worked with a company who um, didn't have the ability to identify this sort of thing, um, and and they were uh, just a, a sitting duck. So um, I, and I'm a bit curious now. Where you say if you don't need logging and you don't and, and that sort of thing, what what non IT ways would you look at identifying? So logging you do need. Um, it, it but everything generates logs. Everything generates logs for free. And, and you just need it's to just about have to the ability to, to store them and look at them. Yeah, and, and do anything with them that is usable. So the, the company that I worked for, they had um, a number of, uh, of issues. And when I asked for the log files, they said, sure, we'll go and get them for you. Um, a day later, they'd managed to download them and handed me a 50 gigabyte text file um, that was nigh unuseless for, for anyone to, to utilize and look at. Um, and why was that? Sorry, have mate, ever, I'm just Have you asking. ever tried opening a 50 gigabyte text file? <laughs> I was going to say, you mean just 50 gigs worth of text, and text just is usually very, very small, isn't data. it? So, yeah. Yeah. but this, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess you, you, you talked about expertise a minute ago, and, and and knowing knowing what the right and wrong things to do. If you're a, if you're a typical, yeah, NHS surgery or even a mid-sized financial software house, are, are you necessarily going to have those security experts? You know, sat there, someone who's who's well trained and has experience at dealing with this type of stuff. No, usually. Um, the, the problem is, incident response expertise is, is fairly expensive to hire and to retain. It's a very nice suit you're wearing. <laughs> 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 the, the, the issue with, um, uh, and everyone knows about the skills gap um, within incident response cybersecurity in general, the, uh, there's not a lot of people that can do this sort of thing um, and there's not a lot of people that are willing to sit around waiting for something to happen within an organisation, de-skilling. Um, and on the flip side, there's not a lot of organisations that are willing to pay a lot of money for people to be sat around just waiting. So it's waiting. basically, I mean, why would you build an incident response team to sit around waiting for something to happen? Once because a it's year. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, if it does happen, but it's in the meantime, I, yeah, like you say, you've got a lot of idle people because yeah. it can go in and set all the process up and you can do all that initial work and then once it's all ready and you sat there waiting for something to happen then it's an expensive yeah. resource to set, be sitting yeah. around so so having people sat there um uh, specialist incident responders looking for for incidents is going to be not very cost effective that's why people have SOC analysts um security yeah. operations center is that right yeah so tier one tier two tier three um, security analysts uh, throughout an organisation, and they're trying to identify um, security threats within within the business. Um, once one has been identified, you need to start categorising it, and, and in order to do that, you need to conduct a bit of triage. Um, that triage process um, is is extremely important to the fact to the point where if you get your information wrong. If you are collecting the wrong type of information and you make the wrong decisions, then you could potentially cause a problem greater than the incident itself. Okay. Have you got an example of that? Yeah, so I, I worked with a, a company who had a ransomware outbreak. Um, simply put, a lady within uh, a fairly small department of a distribution centre clicked on a link. That... Um, that action then caused ransomware to, to be installed on her machine uh, and start encrypting files on her, on her machine itself. 
What it also did, however, was start encrypting files on mapped network drives, um, which happened to be housed in the headquarters of this particular company elsewhere. That, to the organization, looked like spreading malware, spreading Mm -hmm. ransomware. And their immediate reaction, because they hadn't really prepared for this type of thing, was to cut a major link between the two sites. That essentially stopped business um, or or productivity within that department for a, a number of days. Now, long story short, all they had to do was turn that machine off. And, and so it was more stopped. around like, I know, I'm just thinking of a medical triage, but mm. someone's broken their leg, so you chop the leg off. <laughs> Is yeah. it the, the overreaction yeah. to overreaction it has caused to more damage to the organisation yeah. than it would have done. I mean, a good, a good thing that they spotted it in the first place, so they got the first tick, but they responded to it in entirely the wrong way. So it's about that process, though, isn't it? If you don't know what you're doing, yeah. And you're not prepared for it, then you don't. Your, your process is more of a panic reaction than an actual. Yeah, and we and we all know that taking decisions in high stressed emotional environments just isn't going to go well. And no. you're not typically going to make the best decision. And that's where the planning's got to come into it, though. And if you don't have that process and planning procedure that you maybe even tested and implemented, then you're going to make you're just going to go into flat mode. Mm. So once you've got that information and you you understand the problem itself, then you know how best to contain it. Um, so from an incident response perspective, when we turn up at a site, um, they've already identified the problem. They've conducted a bit of triage. We help them with that to ensure that they've got the right story moving forward. So just, just to clarify, you, you, you literally, you and a couple of guys with Peli cases full of equipment, get on a plane and turn up to the site wherever it is is that literally like right now you jump on a plane yeah so in my bag, you're like on call and stuff do you have a yeah, beeper yeah well i'm the <laughs> boss so i'm always on call but the my bag in the corner over there has got a series of bits of equipment to be able to to jump on a plane and didn't have a screwdriver when i needed when they were on i there. didn't know because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't need a screwdriver it needs some response you, oh, can, right. you can blame security for that we just rip the sides off <laughs> <laughs> yank the sides off your server <laughs> just get in anyway so yeah, right, we we jump on a plane um, if need be, um, uh, and we we fly to the the site and and start helping. Because I guess that a lot of the time, this especially if they've pulled the plug, this isn't the kind of thing you can help with remotely, is it? No, um, uh, we do try. Um, if they have um, information that we can we can interrogate remotely, then we will. Um, we S- have send of... send me a fifty gig text while I load it. <laughs> I'll read it on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> we also um, we also have a number of tools so we can we can interact with infrastructure remotely if if that is a possibility. Is that type of stuff you do before flying? So you'll do some initial an initial sort of analysis and that sort of thing, and then you'll go right. Well, I'll, at least you're a bit more forearm forearm before you go on site. Yes. Um, I suppose the first question we always ask clients is, is it actually an incident? Because when problems start occurring, it's easy to panic and it's easy to make the wrong decisions, as I've mentioned. So when people start thinking something major has happened, when actually it, it, it could be something fairly simple. Is so that going back that. to your identification point? Just making sure you're double-checking on, right, okay, what are you, what are you seeing and what makes you think that this is a... A, uh, a, a an internet internet basic or well, sorry internet but I'm trying not to say the C word again. You can say sorry. Okay, <laughs> cyber security because it's not going to be you sat there with a big skull and crossbones no, and no. going ah ah ah. I am yeah. no encrypted. That sounded a bit like That's ho- tra- Hollywood hacking there. Yeah. Hollywood hacking. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Non-petcher was a bit like that. What was it? Yeah, minus minus the skull and crossbones. Um, but yeah, um, sometimes it's a bit more subtle. 
um, and people are worried about certain things um, and we need to establish what you know it can we actually help um, do you actually need help or is it, right, okay. is it a, a standard IT problem um, but we will come in we'll do that triage we'll, we'll get the information and we'll help clients yeah. contain contain the issue whether it be ransomware or whether it be a remote access tool or a compromised website that starts displaying you know the an ISIS flag or, or something yeah. like that. Um, the, there's a bit of containment um, that, that we can do around that, and we can help people um, secure their infrastructure in a, in a tactical sense mm-hmm. um, to make sure that the ongoing threat isn't a problem to the rest of the business. Um, once once that containment has occurred um, in a sensible way that isn't to the detriment of the rest of the business and, and productivity, mm-hmm. as, as, as I mentioned, then we need to get rid of the problem. Um, if it's malware on a device, then we need to go and clean it off. Um, or, you know, we just rebuild the whole thing. So you'll, you'll actually go in and help them rebuild all their PCs that have been... We, yeah, or you just say, well, we'll do the, we'll show you how to do the first one, and then you crack on and do the rest of them. Well, typically, organisations know their infrastructure a lot better than we do, mm-hmm. um, so so we would assist them through the process of bringing things uh, or cleaning issues. Yeah. The key thing is here uh, with standard IT incidents like an outage or or um, or a, a failure in configuration of endpoints of, of PCs. The process is fairly straightforward, and there's not that much complexity to bringing systems and bringing things back up and, and, and sorting the problem out. When it comes to things like malware and remote attackers, then if things are hidden um, and if you don't have the security knowledge and skills to be able to secure a system before you bring it back up or before you recover, then the problem's going to occur two seconds later. Um, mm. If you haven't closed that gap, if you haven't identified the root cause, you haven't done the deep dive digital you know, forensics and investigation, then it'll just happen again. Um, so we need to we need to work with um, the client, work with people and the organisation to ensure that any holes have been plugged. And part of that is the triage and the containment, the identification of the actual threat itself, mm-hmm. uh, uh, an investigation that typically has to be done by security specialists not necessarily your system administrator okay uh, once we've recovered um, uh, or, or start recovering systems another issue is you need to ensure that all of the things you've done previously so the containment the eradication and, and the cleanup operation has been effective so when you're recovering systems you don't just want to turn things back on you want to turn things back on in a stable secure and um robust manner in the sense that you can monitor what is being being brought up at a particular time and see any changes to the infrastructure um, are working and systems are coming back up securely um, and that recovery process is quite you know can be quite lengthy um, but it's it's essential to make sure it's it's you're not just bringing the problem back oh, okay um, and then after all that you you start learning the lessons and that's when yeah. you start slapping yourself on the on the wrist saying I shouldn't have left that firewall open or mm. I, I certainly should have patched that and, and, and that's where they, they start by going our documentation was inadequate mm-hmm. we need to start building a plan we need to start training people yeah is that yeah, you, you've you've done your job by that point you're standing at the door with your cases waving goodbye is there a, is there a better way of doing it 
Yeah, so we typically don't, you know, we, we won't walk out the door and leave them in the lurch. Um, part of incident response is ensuring that not only have we done the tactical security hardening, but we've also assisted with the, the security strategy moving forward. So You've left them with a get well plan type of thing. Yeah, so we need to, we need to ensure that clients understand why this was a problem you know yes you might not have patched that machine there but why didn't you patch that machine because the culture of patching within the organization is poor or is it because you don't have a process in place at all and it was just ad hoc so those strategy recommend those strategical recommendations to ensure that um, the security profile moving forward is better than it mm. was before the incident okay um, and part of that is uh, is planning so if people have had an incident and they were headless chickens panicking um, then one of our recommendations is going to be you need to plan for this type of thing and due to the things like WannaCry and NotPetya and, and the, the global data breaches that we're seeing uh, Ashley Madison, Target, JP yeah. Morgan all those sorts of mainstream media um, headlines people are getting more in the in the vibe of incident response and, and, and realizing they need to plan for for this eventuality just as you would have to plan for no is that something that you can come in and do a service so a, a customer can go do you know what or an organization i, I know do, this isn't going to be a one-off yeah i, I need to be prepared for well even, even before time. something's happened if a proactive sensible customer and go do you know what we haven't been had yet but do you know what let's get somebody in to come in and and to, to come and look at this one. and that's something you, you offer as a service as well is it yeah so so we will come and do uh, an incident response readiness assessment um, to see where the organization is both procedurally policy wise um, but actually you know the, the actual processes that the, the IT teams and the security teams use is that up to spec so is that is that going to actually help or is it just a piece of paper hidden in a drawer somewhere that nobody Beneath a sign marked "Beware of the Leopard," you <laughs> <laughs> Douglas Adams folks out there. So yeah, we, we can help them develop their readiness. Um, we can look at their incident response plans. Are they adequate? Are they tailored to the organisation? Have they not been written ten years ago and have never been looked at or reviewed since? Um, once we develop that response plan and ensure that they've got the the relevant frameworks and then playbooks or runbooks, whatever you want to call them, in place, so this is an incident, this is what we do, this is where we click, mm -hmm. this is who we call. Um, once we have that and we've developed that with them, then it's a case of testing it. Um, so tabletops, we, we get a, a group of people in a room, everything from C-level executives down to the lowly security analyst who, who just sits clicking on the big red button when, when things go wrong, and we get them all in a room and, and throw a scenario at them. So here is... You know, here is an email that you received this morning or you walk in the door at 8 o'clock and the service desk are crying because everyone's account is locked out. So how has that happened? And then we, we walk through the process. So that, that testing stage, I, I, I'm always conscious when it comes to things like desktop backups. You've never, you haven't got a backup until you've restored it and you've actually tested it. Yeah. I, I guess that's, that's one thing that companies typically wouldn't go through. You do your shiny 200 page plan but unless you actually run through and test I've tested it, the yeah, plan you, you, but don't, yeah. you don't know whether it works it's indeed yeah well, there's a number of um there's a number of scenarios where where backups are great um and everyone seems to think that they're in place um i spoke to a company recently who 
yes, they had backups, but they were on tape, and they would take around 25 days to get back from the place that they were stored and then build back up their infrastructure. I was like, so realistically, how long do you think your infrastructure could What's be What's your down? recovery period? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think you could survive a week? They were like, no. Like a, day, a day and a half would be before the execs would start to get seriously in trouble. Um, and I was like, but you're saying your backup restore procedure will take 25 days. So yes, you have backups, but it isn't usable. Not appropriate. And mm. that was that we developed, um, or we we drew that out of them through a, a readiness assessment for tabletops. And I threw a ransomware scenario at them, and said, look, how do we how do we go about recovering? You've got backups, so just recover, right? Mm. Um, and they identified that yeah, it probably wasn't the best process that they had. So. Moving forward after that tabletop process, after we'd injected various other troublesome bits and pieces like, hey, the, the attackers have thrown something up on Twitter, now everyone knows, where's your mm. media response plan and things like that. So, so I, I guess some of, those, some of those action points could be quite embarrassing for, for some of the people in the security team or some of the execs. Now, I, I guess that's where you being from an outside provider really, really helps because you, you, don't, you don't worry about offending people. Well, yeah, <laughs> I've never offended anyone yet uh, in a in a tabletop scenario, but the it is clear that you don't want to point fingers at people because uh, it's a learning process. You've got to yeah. let people walk away from it yeah. a bit on experience and feel right. We've learned something from it. It's got to be a good experience, even though yeah. you might say, "Oh, we've got things wrong," but you've got the, you, 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 yeah. it's you fail fast, isn't it? You've learned it now, and we'll never do that again. Or we yeah. need to make sure You're that's like a counselor. Yeah, so so you, have to, you might have to do that. You're walking in, somebody's already in tears. You have to like, do you, do you have hug services? <laughs> <laughs> Box of Kleenex in the bag of tricks. <laughs> I um, I, yeah, I, I, we try at the very beginning of any tabletop exercise to highlight it is a learning exercise. It's not an exam. People aren't going to be berated for making bad decisions mm-hmm. because you make a bad decision in a tabletop exercise then you won't do it in the real sort of scenario. Um, or you hopefully won't. You'll have learned the lesson. Um, and at the end of the tabletop, we go through the pros and cons. So what did you do well? Right? You did this well. You know, you, you communicated effectively. You knew the people to, um, to get on board for certain areas. Um, what did you do badly? You didn't have their phone numbers. It was all on the internet, which was down. You didn't have a plan for dealing with social media. Or your service desk was overwhelmed because you've got two people and then 8,000 customers phoned them at once. You know, things like that. And, and we work through the lessons um, and we hand that back to them to, to go on action. Um, you can move forward from a tabletop exercise and get a bit more serious where we have offensive security professionals, a red team penetration testers things like that they throw attack scenarios so is that more like you have a so that you, your, your tabletop plan is is sort of an internal exercise that you do and then you sort of do you put that to the test even like a deeper test by bringing in external like say pen testers things like that yeah so what what the aim of the uh, of the tabletop is is to ensure that your processes are in place yeah. then the next stage is can you actually practically do that? So it's testing the process and see if it works, yeah. Yeah. So throw an attack scenario that 
the the security consultants that you're working with know about you, they they put the scenario to the infrastructure and then you sit and watch how the organization reacts so you have the red team attacking and the blue team within the organization monitoring attempting to identify and triage the, the problems as they come through if they miss the problem then you've got incident response consultants working with you to say well you missed that because of either a technology gap or a skills gap or a process problem mm-hmm. um, and you ensure that they understand how they missed it and what they missed uh, and then as you get towards the end of the scenario yeah, and you bring the red team in we explain exactly what happened so they get to see that process end to end rather than normal incidents where you don't get to ask the attacker why did you do that and, and how mm-hmm. did you do that and, and they get to understand the actual processes um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of the, the next stage. After a tabletop, let's get practical and, and, and start breaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Not your critical infrastructure, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, within scope. And I guess some customers will choose to do that and some won't. Some will just stop at that kind of process procedural space yeah. and then move up the stack. Yeah, some, some people just aren't in a position to be able to allow yeah. that sort of, yeah. uh, of scenario. And that's where we can bring things in like cyber range. Mm-hmm. So cyber range is... Um, you said the C word. <laughs> well, it's the that's because it's it. what it's called. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called the cyber range. I, I can't get around that. Um, the cyber range is a, essentially a training package whereby you your security team are moved into a safe environment and they log into a system and they see simulated attacks run against an infrastructure that isn't theirs mm. it's, it's a safe infrastructure so it's like a, like a shooting range it's a bit yeah. like war games yeah yeah exactly like that and they and they sit um, and they work through the scenarios and they attempt to identify and, and understand attacks vary, uh, varying levels of complexity um, through a three or five day training package um, and then they walk away from that saying, well, I didn't know people could do that or I didn't know you could identify things through that. And then they take that back to their infrastructure and, and, and transfer that knowledge and message across. Mm-hmm. Oh. So are, are all of these you know, standalone engagements, you know, or, or do we do offer like a, a sort of a package or, or a plan or something that, that, that a company can use throughout the year? Like how, how does it work? So if you've got a problem, you can just phone us up and we will come and help. Yeah, that's the emergency situation. That's the emergency situation. bit. But to get to a position where you are proactively working with your incident response team, your security team, and ensure that you're in the right place, then you you can buy uh, a retainer from us. So essentially you get a set amount of time from dedicated security consultants uh, that you can use over a period of, of 12 months. Now... You can just sit and wait for an incident to happen and then we will come and help you during that 12-month period. Um, or you can be a bit more uh, proactive. And it would be a failing of me if one of my clients had got to the end of the year and hadn't used any of it because it, it just doesn't add value, right? You don't want to be buying something that you, you, you're not using. So all of these proactive um, proactive services, so tabletop planning, readiness assessments, blue team, red team, cyber, all of that stuff can be built into... Um, into the incident response retainers. So, so, I mean, the, the obvious comparisons are, are to things like an emergency service, you know, c- calling up like breakdown cover or, or, or a, an ambulance, or, or for companies to see this almost like, I'm gonna take out an annual insurance policy. That if, if something happens, I make a claim, but that's not, that's not necessarily how you describe it. No, it's, it's, so if you imagine a breakdown service, but 
you know, they come and service your car as well. And they'll come and check it over and make sure there's nothing wrong with it proactively, yeah. yeah. Check your tyres, check your oil. And teach you, know. you how to drive it better or maintain it better yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, Or it's teach you what to do if it does break down. Yeah, indeed. Um, and, and, and then We've got so many analogies in this, this podcast, amazing. isn't there? Creativity. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we, can, we can help an organisation um, uh, during that engagement, even if they don't have a problem. Um, we hope they don't have problems because when they when these things occurred they've planned effectively yeah. um, and we we hope that we can just help them be proactive rather than reactive so I, so I can see when you're talking to the actual security folks or you know, CISO where, where there's one in place they don't need to be convinced of of the value of security generally they might not necessarily be aware that they had this skills gap or this technology gap and that they need to approach things differently you know I, I'm I'm always aware that there's there's a lot of things on the CEO's mind, and while while security may be in the news, that they're not they're not intrinsically that interested in security. Do you find that that this tends to open open their eyes a bit? Yeah, definitely. So so the readiness assessments highlight gaps, like serious holes and and, and flaws in their processes, but the. The, the security incidents that are hitting the headlines now, um, you, you don't see the background. You, you don't see the the pain that these organisations go through. And I think that's what a lot of CISOs and, and, and C-level executives um, struggle struggle with understanding. Because it's out of the headlines two weeks later. Yeah. You know, you see, you see companies like eBay or JP Morgan or uh, Target, Sony, Sony, yeah. get, getting hit, and then what happens? You know, they're they're still there the mm. next week. They're they're all fine, and, and no they all recover from it. And it's, I mean, like you say, well, last week, looking. last week news is this week's chip paper, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so I mean, so I remember reading an article about Sony where they, they basically resorted to landline telephones and fax for about three years in, in Sony Entertainment. But yeah, they they ultimately survived. Yeah, and you and you see that. But what you don't see, and, and what us as incident responders, when we go in, we, we see the pain, the stress, the, the very, very long hours, the people not getting sleep, the people going home ill um, because they're burnt out. You see the, you know, the tears, the, the, the people being um, fired, you know, the people yeah. losing their jobs. And that's not public knowledge, typically. Um, unless no, it's I, a I guess it will become more public knowledge with, with sort of disclosure... As, mm. as part of like GDPR, it features disclosure requirements, doesn't it? Yeah, so so the the GDPR thing is scaring a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of regulatory pressure that's going to be now implied on organisations that have incidents. Um, they have to start declaring what has happened. Um, and yeah, it, it's focusing people's minds, and and you see everything from you know people just getting stressed out over a, a significant amount of time, and and to the detriment of their their teams. You know, people might leave. You know, I don't want to go through this again. All the way through to when you know with, with the the medoc stuff, where the police are storming the building with guns. You know, it's you know the, there's there's varying scales, obviously, but mm. you know these these bad things happen, yeah. and you don't see a lot of it. So. Planning for this sort of thing and ensuring that you're in a place where, you know, you can respond effectively and you can show regulators that you have done your utmost best. And, and, the, and the shareholders who then get get annoyed that you've wiped lots of value off their shares by not handling uh, not handling security properly. You need yeah. to be yeah. accountable to them too. Yeah. yeah. 
you can you can show them you can you can show regulators and the board and stakeholders we did our best this was our plan this is what we did and and do you, and so you help sort of the the IT guys and the security guys be able to get that leverage or leverage the the, the influence of the board or oh, not the board but the 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 C level people in the business yeah we try to help organisations with um, conveying the message of of that risk. Um, because a lot of people don't understand don't understand what can actually happen through a, a very simple issue. So if we go back to WannaCry, simply not patching a device could cause that device to not be able to be used for X amount of days, weeks or months. Mm-hmm. With the NHS, um, there were instances of devices being uh, affected not just PCs. So it's not just a case of you can go to you know a, a shop down the road to buy a new PC. It could it, be your MRI a, machine. Yeah, yeah and, you know you're going to have a serious problem trying to get the, that back up and running mm. if if the company. So so many things that we that for example we want to cry was was Windows based run run Windows as their operating system other than PCs. Yeah, a lot of medical devices have regulated PC builds next to them that aren't patchable, which was one of the big exposures. And obviously, as we get into IoT, where you've got billions of of network accessible devices mm-hmm. that are running operational processes mm-hmm. you know the risk yeah. the risk becomes risk much increases. greater mm-hmm. and probably it gets further away from the knowledge base of the security team in house because they you know they're used to patching windows pcs they're not used to patching elevators yeah and we see a number of things such as um uh, in, uh, industrial control systems and, uh, and things like that. So it it, it scales so all the way from. Because well, we were talking about that, didn't we talk about with the, the there was a, a, a mention? I think it was mentioned on one of the uh, the podcast on neural networking where they said that a I think it was a steel um, oh, mill in Germany, Germany. Yeah, and then they um, basically cranked their the temperature up too high and and, and that sort of yeah, stuff. Six, I mean, that's sort of, ago. I can't remember which yeah. one it was now, but yeah, they there was a. a an attack on the energy sector in the Ukraine as well, which is. Wow. I don't want to go live in Ukraine. I know you're it a lovely country. Rubbish. Oh, I don't think we've got any listeners. We have to find out if we've got any it's listeners. It's very, in very nice. There's a shout out to you guys in Ukraine. E- email Justin. Although I, yeah, I was more impressed. Uh, well, I wasn't very impressed by the chicken Kievs. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if that's oh. a joke. Is that like a joke? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I mean, you've talked about an awful lot of things during, during this, um, which I think is really really interesting for for people to hear um and obviously people can customers can sort of get on board by engaging our services directly but i'm guessing there's a whole bunch of things they can do themselves at least to start thinking differently where where would you recommend people kind of start with some of this just in a self-help kind of way so the 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 first thing that people need to do is get visibility of their infrastructure Mm -hmm. so if you have an estate um, of, of it equipment do you know where that estate is? Mm. Okay. Can you see what is happening on that estate? Um, people usually have antivirus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine, um, and it will it will highlight certain risks. Um, but then, you know, what else can you do if you're just relying on signature-based antivirus to to trigger an alert when something bad happens? Then what about the the, the not so bad stuff, um, but it's it's, a, it's causing an issue? So. You see a number of, um, as an example, you see a number of Windows um, tools that can be used for malicious purposes, and, and they won't be flagged by antivirus. Mm. So getting visibility into your endpoints and your network uh, is, is key. Um, 
logs. Mm. If you can generate logs, not f- not f- fifty gig of them though. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, generate logs and, and be able to use them effectively. So buy a log management tool. Correlate the logs into a solution, and there are a number of commercial vendors out there that mm. can that can. Um, help you with that but there's also a number of open source um, resources that that can also uh, assist Um, and and correlating those logs into a solution uh, whereby you can have analysts go through or you can at least so it's not like the minimum thing is just have have logs so when somebody you do need to call it's a diy thing is that when things do go wrong at least you've got somewhere to go and look and you get somewhere where a professional can look at it yeah yeah and and the even if you're not monitoring those logs yourself they they need to be available to do some form of investigation. So ransomware on an endpoint might encrypt those logs so you can't look at them. So yeah. you need to ship them somewhere. And, and you get, how quickly can I get logs off devices? Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. And it's very, this very, could be a whole podcast on its own. It's, it's very, Logging. very easy to do. Uh, and it's, it's Nothing to do with chopping down trees. It can essentially be free. Um, yeah. So it, it, that's the first thing that I would ask anyone to mm. do. The second thing, um, and, and probably the the most important thing for me as an instant responder is have a plan for what you're going to do with the devices when something occurs. So don't just panic and put a bullet through the hard drive, you know, thinking, oh, that'll, that'll help. You know, has, that, has somebody ever done that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a legitimate response action. Well, that, that was the worry. Um, no, don't just, don't trash the evidence. Um, if you've got a problem and you pull the network cable or you shut the Wi-Fi down on a device and just and that machine is able to be burnt as, as it were. You know, you, you could just leave it and, and forget about it. Then don't shut it down because some of the evidence that, that's on that device might then be ruined. Mm. Um, however, you know, some instances you can't, you know, you can't pull a network plug. So if it's an industrial control system, for example, that's controlling a, a fairly significant piece of equipment then you have to have a plan for what you're going to do when something bad occurs um, and, and try and preserve the evidence so then when it comes to identifying why or how this happened which is the ultimately the, the reason why you you know uh, you have a problem and and that's going to give you insight into how to stop this happening and happening again you need to uh, you need to have the evidence to be able to interrogate that um, so don't ruin it Oh. Don't okay. flatten all your virtual machines. You know, take snapshots and uh, and turn them off then. Okay. And are there are there kind of resources? And, and we talked before the before the show about you know trying to provide a few links on the uh, on the Twitter feed about things that people can do, things people can look at. Are there pointers that you'd point people at around plans? You know, I mean, and, and you talked about obviously a plan needs to be tailored to an organisation, but are there starting points that you could? reference that you can share best practice type yeah thing. some yeah. of that best practice that people can tailor uh, around um you know again as a starting point it's like right I, I have no idea where to start i don't even know what a plan would look like is there somewhere i can go and say this is broadly what a generalized plan looks like and maybe i can start from that to start to tailor it before then engaging services or something yeah so so cesg produce mm-hmm. uh, or gchq uh, produce um a framework for it is a response mm-hmm. um, in the UK. Um, so that that's probably the the best mm-hmm. resource to start out. Can you just Google that? Yeah, yeah. Um, Other search NC- engines NCSC are available now. Not yeah, NCSC. It's NCSC, published under the National Cybersecurity um, Centre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or, or GCHQ or Crest and, and all those sorts of information security community resources. Mm-hmm. They have incident response frameworks mm-hmm. and processes um, that are great. 
like you say, mm. you, we need to tailor them to an organization to make sure it's effective. They're a good place to start. They're most probably a good yeah. place for if you're an organization for the IT team to, and the security team to mm. sit down and go, right, what can we do? What can't we do? Yeah. And then you can go, right, well, where do we bring in yeah. external yeah. agencies and, and organizations? Yeah. The U- US have uh, NIST as well, mm-hmm. NIST, yeah. and yeah. Um, they have a framework there. Okay, and we, we, have, we have a lot of listeners in America. so We do, yeah. I've just been checking this. We haven't got anybody in Ukraine listened. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, uh, as for other information, um, Talos put out extremely, um, extremely great blog posts around information security and, and problems, um, and that's my go-to place for, for various bits of intelligence. But if, they, if, then, and if anybody wants to, to get in touch with you, is there a number like... like well, I've got my mobile number. Can we just put, <laughs> we put that out on the podcast? Yeah, we'll or can you just, I mean, if you want to get in touch, is it, is it just, you can just, how would you do that? Yeah, we've got a website that details how to... How so you to can just Google Cisco Incident Response Services and... Yeah. yeah. Go like, I'm looking at the website now. Excellent. And there's, there's a load of stuff up there. We've got a number of blog posts covering different aspects of incident response. We've got white papers telling you how to build a, an IR plan for yourself. So there's, there's lots of stuff up there if you do a quick Google. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. It, the one thing we haven't asked, though, is, is, you mean, I'm sure there are a lot of other services that you can get from, incident response services from lots of other organizations and all that, but what makes, what makes you so special, Gareth? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, it's not just my boyish good looks. Uh, we have a number of... That's what uh, your mum says. <laughs> we have a number of resources, being, uh, being Cisco, um, that, that allow us to um, help. The, the key thing, uh, as, uh, as previously mentioned, is we have access to all of the Cisco security technology, enterprise-grade security technology that we can bring with us free of charge, essentially, whereby we can we can deploy it at scale to, to assist uh, organizations. But the key thing is we, we're Cisco, right? We, we've got so much telemetry around network-based um, devices around the globe that all of that information, all of that, all the metrics and telemetry is ingested by our intelligence teams um, and and analysed. So when it comes to an incident within a, a specific industry or sector, mm-hmm. we can leverage all of that intelligence and pull out any other incidents that we've seen throughout the globe in history that we uh, the history of the telemetry that we have. Now, have we seen this before? So you've got a huge amount of, so you sort of, a, a, when a, an organization has an incident, they'll hopefully have their log files, but you will have a load of information that will be maybe pertinent and, to help the help people as well. Yeah. Talos has got, what, 300 threat analysts? Yeah, they, they've got some extremely clever people that, that can do extremely clever things. Um, and whereas, you know, you're, you're getting incident, dedicated incident responders, you're not, you're not having... Cisco aren't sending you a printer engineer to come and say, well, yeah, you've got a security problem, I'll just go and get the next guy. You know, you're, you're getting dedicated incident response consultants who have links directly into Talos and the threat intelligence and, um, and malware reverse engineering so that, that, so that So that way of finding what the problem is, is we'll have a load of information and evidence already that will be pertinent to, to helping the, the forensics of the, of the incident. Yeah. Unless you've got a very, very specific use case and then we'll help you anyway. But yeah. Um, or is it something yeah. that's totally unique and you've never seen any, any anywhere yeah. else which, in the world? Which is unlikely. Unlikely, yeah. But yeah, we, we, we've got such resource in the back end, not just in security, but also you know, if you've got a Cisco networking infrastructure and there's been a problem with um, the way it's been configured by whoever's configured it or the, there's been an issue, um, 
we probably have links to the people that built the kit you know yeah. who understand it the most you know yeah. you're not bringing in directly to those business units and those yeah. engineering teams you're not bringing in a, a third party who just got a ccna sitting somewhere yeah okay brilliant it's been a really good podcast today i've really liked it even though it's about security <laughs> <laughs> again you know you love it i know i do i tell you I'm, I'm, the worst thing is it is all seeping in that's it, it all seeps thing. in gareth you've been brilliant today thank you very much it's been thank you very much and Ant, you've been wonderful always a pleasure oh, never a chore and mr jackson well, what can be said i don't know <laughs> probably not let's you move know. on yeah probably, probably <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on, on. Yeah. um so thanks very much for listening if you've got any questions please contact the portal we do love to hear from you we do. please 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 um also don't forget to tell people to subscribe share it on social media that sort of stuff we're trying to get the listener numbers up even though they're doing well they can always get better um but thanks for listening if you want to contact us yeah you can tweet me at, at justin woolen uh or you can email me at justin.woolen at cisco.com 2 and one thanks very much <laughs>